Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God, you are a God who graciously convicts. You're the God who graciously forgives. You're the God who calls us out in our sin, but not to leave us there. We're united to Christ, and we're united to his church. Thank you for that, King Jesus. Thank you for your gracious care of us today. Just today, just in these moments, you cared for our hearts. Mold us, Lord. Shape us for your glory. And continue to do that as as your word is preached in a few moments. It's amazing, Lord, that you're not just the God working in this room. You're the God working throughout the world right now in billions of different ways. So, God, we pray for the work going on that we've heard of and seen about from afar in our family of churches, Sovereign Grace. Lord, the work you're doing in the Philippines right now. We thank you for Jeffrey Joe and the the many church plants and church adoptions that are happening in the Philippines. People coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Villages, villages coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Thank you for the work in Nepal right now. God, a beautiful place full of darkness. Thank you for the work in Namibia right now. Got a future church plant. Josh Kruger's getting trained right now. A gentleman from South Africa who feels to move a little bit north to Namibia to help plant a church there. God, pour out your grace there. God, thank you for your work that's going on of just translating good Christian resources to different parts of the world. God, thank you for the the work that's being translated into Chinese and even our friend Perry that's on that team translating gospel-centered resources for believers in China. And it's happening in Korea and Thailand and Russia right now. Oh God, you are at work. You are the one who build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're on offense. God, thank you for the two church plants, or three church plants in the U.S. through Sovereign Grace right now. Two in Pennsylvania and one here in Charleston with Perry. God, give them grace going through cohort and coaching and training. God, embolden them by your spirit. God, build core teams together, provide locations, provide finances. 
God, we pray and we pray to pray again for Perry and Ruth and a, a home in North Charleston, that you would grant them a home. Lord, even this week, would you grant them a home, a place, as they're looking to plant there? God, we ask these requests because we know you hear us, and we are grateful that you do. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Children, thank you for being in here. Thank you for praying. You can head on to your class. Hope Kids Workers, thank you for pouring into the next generation. We love our kids, and we love that you're pouring into them, and we're grateful for that. Um, one just quick thing before I head into message. Uh, actually, kind of two things. One, Elliot, thank you for repenting and just your humility in doing so. That is not easy to do that, Sean also, um, in expressing forgiveness to a brother or sister in Christ that repents, um, that's a joy to, we forgive you. And I appreciate Nick or whoever started that, like, yes, we do. Like, thank you. We forgive you. Um, but let's also, in the same moment, friends, at the same time we're expressing forgiveness, realize we could be holding that same sin of self-righteousness. And repent if God's calling us to, to the same thing, right? We could self-righteously be saying, forgive, we forgive you. So, like, we want to guard our hearts anytime we're working that transaction of, of grace. And we want to fully, yes, but at the same time, search our hearts. Lord, help us not fall in the same sins of our, of our brothers and sisters, because we know we're very capable of that. One thing I wanted to just ask for prayer about, um, I'll be traveling starting tomorrow through Wednesday going to Florida, which sounds really nice. Um, but uh, one, pray for my family as I'm gone. We got a bunch of kids, if you didn't know that, for you guests. Um, and just for my beautiful bride uh, in parenting a lot of children while I'm gone uh, for those days. But also, I didn't even know this till yesterday, two days ago. This is a, a global leadership retreat. And I was like, what the heck's a global leadership retreat? I got this email. I was like, so I went to my kids. I was like, hey, I'm invited to a global leadership retreat. I was like, why am I at that table? That's really weird. But so people we've prayed for, Namibia, Philippines, like I'm going to be in the room with some of these people who like lead ministries in the entire country. And I just, and, and Sarah Evelyn was laughing. She was like, you're the one, like you guys are the one Sovereign Grace Church in South Carolina. Like, little South Carolina. She was just making fun of me, um, which was a joy. My kids love to banter and make sure Dad keeps, stays down the size. Um, but, uh, but just pray for, for that time. Pray for my heart going into a room full of, like, I'm the bottom rung of the totem pole there. Like, just humility for me, not to be trying to work positionally, just pride, like, kind of like Elliot was praying, like, just that I wouldn't be proud and would be humble and serve those folks from different countries that we'll be with this week. And just, just pray for that time together. Uh, Mark Prater, who's our president in Sovereign Grace, said this is one of the most important retreats we've had in a decade. And I was like, that makes me a little nervous. Like, what are we being asked to do here? Um, so just pray for that time together uh, down in Orlando this week. Well, recently I've been reading a biography by Darlene Rose, uh, and she and her husband were missionaries in New Guinea and the Dutch East Indies in the beginning of the Second World, World, sorry, World War, and the, right before the Japanese 
took over. So Japanese, the Japanese took over soon after they arrived. And she tells of one account in her book about a morning when her, after her husband had been taken by the Japanese soldiers. Soldiers had only left a few women right there in kind of their housing area. So just a few women there and one older gentleman who was in poor health. And Darlene was praying one day and walked by this older gentleman who was there, the one older gentleman, and she noticed that he was also praying. And he was praying there and had an atlas open in his lap. She went over to him, and he paused his praying and looked up at her. And as he looked up at her, he told her that the Lord was going to continue to advance his gospel in the other islands around them. Here's an old man in Japanese-occupied territory who could have been shot at any moment by soldiers who just came through their area. And here he is looking at an atlas, praying and strategizing for gospel mission. And Darlene Rose marveled. This was a man who had been on the mission field for years, and he was a grandfather in many ways to these ladies who had lost their husbands to imprisonment. And yet in that moment, he had bold faith that God was at work. A faith that God would move forward toward mission even when things weren't looking good on the outside. Today is our second sermon in the Joshua series entitled, The Lord Will Fight For You. And we'll see just that. We will see a faith that moves into action. Here's kind of the main point. Faith in God always moves toward action. Faith in God always moves toward action. If you'll please open up to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to kind of get the runway of verses 1 through 9 that we studied last week. And then our main text is going to be verses 10 through 18 today. This is God's holy word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? 
Do not be frightened. Do not, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word of Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. They also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against the commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word. Point number one today is this. It's go time. It is go time. One of the things I love about the transition from verse 1 through 9 to our passage today, 10 through 18, is the quick obedience. Quick obedience. God had just told Joshua that he would need to be strong and courageous. This was not going to be an easy mission. They're crossing the Jordan. That's flood season. They're, they're heading to battle of enemies that 40 years prior when they looked at them, they said, we feel like we're grasshoppers. They're going to crush us. And he turns and walks toward trust. Right after verse 9, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua turns and commands the officers. It's time to walk out obedience. David Jackman says this, faith responds to promise by action. Faith responds to promise by action. Joshua expressed faith in God's promise by acting upon the command to be strong and courageous. Jackman continues, we shall not get far in our Christian discipleship by listening to God's word but never acting upon it. Verse 11, Joshua says to his officers, he turns to them quickly, pass through the midst of the camp, command the people, prepare your provision, for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan, go take possession of the land that, your God, that the Lord your God is giving you. Get ready, guys. It's go time. And, and let's just know how quick the obedience is here is. The Jordan is a big river this time of year. Men, women, and children of most of the tribes are going to pass over this. It's going to be kind of another Red Sea type of experience, I'm thinking Joshua's thinking. 
It's going to take a miracle to get everybody through there. He's like, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to pass over there in three days. Let's go. And they're like, looking at that river like, really? That river? We'll see as we get a few chapters in that they actually go and kind of encamp there. And there's a pause even before they go through the river. But Joshua seems sure of it. There's a great confidence, a great courage he has. And again, what is that courage in? Verse 11, for the Lord your God is giving you this land. The focus is not on Joshua's ability. The focus is not on the people's armor or their skills. No, the focus is on God. The Lord, Yahweh, is the one who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, told him about the exodus that would lead the people out of Egypt. That same Yahweh is leading them into the promised land. That has always been the plan. And friends, note Joshua's words. It's similar to some of the things God says to him in verse 1 through 9. He tells him what he's going to do, but there's no military strategy given. You're going to war. Okay, what do I do? What details? I need to know the plan. No details. It's just we're, we're going. Okay, that's enough to know we're going. There's no military strategy given from God to Joshua. There's no military strategy given from Joshua to these officers. We're going to walk over past that river. We're going to face giants. Let's go. Get ready. What we find is faithful obedience and unified obedience. Verse, or point number two today is all hands on deck. We read in verse 12 through 15 of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and how they've actually already received their inherit, inheritance. They have already received their rest, which is one of the purposes of God's people in God's place. They're the promised land. In Numbers chapter 32, these two and a half tribes ask to receive their inheritance because their numbers are swelling of both people and cattle and other things. And they ask Moses, and Moses says, yes, but, yes, you can, but we need, we need you to promise to fight when we cross over the Jordan, and then you can come back. So in Numbers chapter 32, verse 17, they say, we will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel until we have all, uh, sorry, let me read that again. We will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has given his inheritance. So just a reminder here, there's 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 sons of Jacob. The, word, the name for Jacob got changed to Israel. That's where we get that. So Israel and Jacob are the same person. But then Israel becomes the, the, the name of the nation, and there's 12 sons. And those sons are the 12 tribes. But you're like, well, where's a, was there a half-son? What's the half-tribe going on here? Well, jo- uh, Joseph's sons were kind of split into two here. So there's two half-tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. So when it's talking about the half-tribe of Manasseh that's getting an inheritance, that's one of the sons of uh, Joseph. But back to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua reminds these two and a half tribes of their promise 
that they also need to be prepared to cross the Jordan. And actually what we'll see in a couple months in Joshua chapter 22, they actually do it. Like it actually happens. Like what they say they're going to do, what they, they, they go for it. And in chapter 22, they like, they're like, okay, we did it. And Joshua's, okay, you can go back home. Like it's, it's a great little like, yay, they obeyed. But we've got to notice a couple things from this text. The first is this. Joshua has assumed courageous leadership, and the people are actually following his leadership. That's a big deal. One commentator calls the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh the Transjordan warriors. Trans meaning across. So they're the ones who live across the Jordan, like transatlantic slavery or some other way we use that word. But um, they're, they're the Transjordan warriors. These are warriors that are willing to obey Joshua. These are not yes men. Joshua is clearly taking the place of Moses. And friends, note who those warriors made a promise to. It was not Joshua. It was Moses. So this is a big deal right here. Like, are they going to fulfill the promise that they made to Moses, not to Joshua? And the fact that they do is a very big deal. A smooth transition in leadership is no guarantee. And this starts to show God's favor toward Joshua, the people leaning toward his leadership. Secondly, I want you to notice that Joshua is a man of the word. Verses 13 through 15 are basically just Joshua quoting Moses' words in Deuteronomy 3, 18 through 20. Joshua does not make up his own plan. He simply passes on what he has been told. Commentators will say that this is the wisdom of discipleship. Don't we know this to be true? This is the wisdom of discipleship. You pass on the message you've received from God. Jesus says it this way, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. It's the same thing. You pass on what you've been told. Our job is not to make up the message. Our job is not to make the message more palatable. Our job is not to change the message. It is to be an ambassador of the king's message. We merely say what the king has said. as simple and clear and obedient as we can. And that is what Joshua is doing. And note the courage, the biblical conviction. A a person of courage and biblical conviction will help unify God's people. God's people will follow courageous leadership that goes boldly after God's will in God's way. Remember, these warriors were leaving house and home to go fight giants across the Jordan. You made them feel like grasshoppers. This is no easy fight. This is a real fight. And friends, we are in a real fight. Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're in a fight that's not against flesh and blood, but, quote, against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You're less than a grasshopper compared to to the darkness that comes against you. But what does Ephesians 6, 13 say? Therefore, in light of the spiritual forces of evil, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
and you've heard me say this before, I'll say it again. The you there is not singular. The you is plural. It's all y'all. It's, it's Jesus telling his church to take up armor to fight the battle because it's war. It's not just you putting on the helmet of salvation. You kind of are. You got to fight individually. But the, even more, the emphasis in Ephesians, the emphasis throughout the New Testament is us fighting, us together, the church going forward and charging. Oh, friends, notice something here. It's not a fight against each other. It's a fight alongside each other. It's all hands on deck. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you and you need me and you need each other. We're in a war. But let us not be like the Virginians and Washingtonians beginning at the Civil War near Manassas who showed up with sandwiches and opera glasses to watch the battle. This momentary unpleasantness only to watch a gruesome death of 5,000 Americans right in front of them. Life is war, not a picnic lunch. We know this to be true now. Joshua was learning that then, and the tribes of Israel were rallying together to honor the Lord. And so we find these tribes of Israel, point number three, unified in their courage and obedience, unified courage and obedience. Look at verse 16. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandments or commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death only. Be strong and courageous. So some think that this is the, those two and a half tribes speaking to Joshua. A lot of commentators think this is like the, all the people kind of being mustered of Israel speaking to Joshua here. But what we find out is there is a response of faith. A response of faith. They say this, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. It's complete submission and trust. They don't need to know all the details. They move forward in trusting God because they know God will fight for them. And I just love that phrase. I was thinking on that phrase this week. Man, if that would just be my prayer, all that you have commanded God, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. May that be the echo of our hearts. And then we get to verse 17. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Now, the Bible doesn't have sound effects, but if it did, I think right here it would be the, the screeching breaks, like, because that is a fantastic revisionist history. So the Israelites saying, all the ways we, we always obeyed Moses, and we're going to obey you. All the ways you obeyed Moses. Like we read Numbers 13 last week. 
They go to, they send out spies. Those spies come back. They say, we're not going. Not only are we not going, Moses, you're fired. And actually, we're picking up stones to kill you. We want to go back to Egypt. Wasn't Egypt so great? Wasn't slavery so wonderful? All the ways we obeyed Moses, we're going to obey you? I'm like, no thanks. Like, if I'm Joshua, I'm like, that, I don't want that obedience. So it's this weird moment in the text. You're like, what is going on here? Commentator David Howard says that we need to realize, I think this will be a thread throughout Joshua as we study. We need to realize that there's an underlying tension throughout the book of Joshua because the people say they will obey. And there many times they do. And it's like, yeah, good job, that's great. And then there are these moments of like partial obedience, like half obedience, like and it's, it's like, ah, that's not good. What are you guys doing? We'll see that, that they don't even get rid of all the enemy when, when God tells them to. And when God kind of musters them to, to get rid of all the enemy in different parts of the land, they're like, ah, this is eh, tired. And they just don't fully do it. We talked about last week, it's, they were complacent. They compromised. They were comfortable. It's the opposite of being strong and courageous. At the end of the book of Joshua, you probably know this phrase. It might be hanging in your house somewhere. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua says. As for me and my house, Joshua says, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's a great phrase, but he's, it's a rebuke. Because Joshua is telling the people, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they're like, yeah, yeah, us too. And he's like, mm-mm, I, I'm not seeing it, guys. And he tells them right after that, you need to put away your idols. What? Where did those idols come from? They came from Egypt. Wait a second. You've been carrying idols through the Red Sea, through getting manna as you collected manna to eat, as you, you stayed during the day and you had this cloud by day that kept you cool in the desert and you had this pillar at night that kept you warm at night, as you cross through the Jordan, you're still carrying your idol. Does anybody see a problem with this? This is why Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, guys, there's a major problem. There's a major disconnect here. And what we find in the book of Judges is that disconnect spirals. I call the book of Judges a toilet. Like it spirals downward. It gets bad. I mean, at first it's like not that bad. And you're like, okay, that's good. Oh, man. Oh, man, that's getting worse. That's what happens in Judges. That's right after Joshua. It's not good. And friends, here's what happens. They have hard hearts. They have hard hearts. They have hard hearts. Scholar David Jackman gives a brutal quote when speaking of the way Israel does not fully obey God. Here's the quote. But all I need to do for my heart to harden after God has spoken his word is, read that with me, nothing. Is it on there? All 
I need to do for my heart to harden after God has spoken his word is nothing. Nothing. God speaks clearly to his people, but there will be moments in the book of Joshua and throughout Israel's history that their response is doing nothing. Get rid of the idols. Okay, I'll do that sometime. Go clear the land. Yeah, we might get to that sometime. Doing nothing hardens our heart toward God. It's the opposite of faith that leads to action. It's the opposite of what James says, faith accompanied by works. It's, it's, it's faith without works is dead, is what James says. And friends, we are so capable of this same sin and struggle, are we not? We can sing songs of worship on Sundays and hear God's word Sunday after Sunday for years and do nothing and not be affected by it at all. I've seen it done. I've done it at times. It doesn't affect me like it should. Friends, we have people who sat in these seats that you're sitting in and walked away from the Lord walked away from marriages, walked away from biblical sanity, walked away. And you must ask, well, what happened? Sunday after Sunday, after community group after community group, week after week after week, what did you do with God's Word? When you sang God's Word, when you heard God's Word, when you prayed over people, what did you do? Nothing! Friends, we can't do that, and we must repent because we're just as capable of walking away, hardening our heart toward God. Oh, friends, I'm just as capable, and you're just as capable. Let us be warned. But it's interesting that Verse 17 and 18, even though there's so much struggle with Israel, what they say in verse 17 and 18 is fantastic. Like, I know it just was really hard on them, but like 17 and 18, it's like, ah, that's really good. And that's what you find throughout Joshua. Like, ah, wow, that's really, oh, that wasn't so good. Verse 17 and 18 are fantastic and great wisdom. They say you know, there are two onlys that they talk about for Joshua. They're commending his leadership unto the Lord. They say, only may the Lord your God be with you, Joshua. Good job, Israel. Only may the Lord your God be with you and only be strong and courageous, which is already said three times in chapter 1 by God to Joshua. Both of those only statements are reminders of what God already promised to Joshua. God is with Joshua. God is with Joshua's people. God says in verse 5, I will not leave you or forsake you. Only may the Lord God be with you. And God's already said, I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 9, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And God, they say, only be strong and courageous. And God's already told him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be very strong and courageous. And even in this moment, as they're walking out obedience, mustering the troops, we're going to get ready to go across the Jordan, he's exercising that. Faith in God leads to action that honors God. Christopher, if you'll come on up here. 
Friends, we've got to ask this question. Does our faith in God produce action or do we simply do nothing? Does our faith in God produce action or do we simply do nothing? Do we do nothing with Scripture we read in our devotion time? Do we do nothing with discussions we have in community group or in our D group? Do we do nothing with the marriage counseling or the, the parenting training or the Sunday preaching or the gospel singing? Do we do nothing? All I need to do for my heart to harden after God has spoken his word is nothing. Friends, we're called to action. We're called to faith. We're called to obedience. We're called to belief. And today and every day is a day to go from unbelief to belief. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that action today is to go from unbelief in yourself, your, your belief in self and trying to build your own kingdom to belief in Jesus, turning from your sin and trusting Christ as your Savior, believing in the resurrected Savior, and living your life for Him, not for you. If you do know Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you and exhort you to bold action and faith in God. And it is a faithful action without knowing all the details. Like, it doesn't really take faith if you know all the details, right? Like, okay, God, give me the whole plan. You can send me an email. I'd love to just read about that. And then, if I'm convinced, I will obey you. That's not faith. And we know, any experienced Christian knows that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So it might be faithful action in some of those relationships that are broken that we prayed about earlier. It might be faithful action in how you think through your job stuff like we prayed about earlier. It might be faithful action in future steps that God's leading you to and you're just waiting on detail after detail and he's just like, take the step, dude. It's time to go. Faithful trust to be strong and courageous knowing that Christ is with you wherever you go. We're gonna end in a moment singing together. You can go ahead and stand I'm going to end on one more David Jackman quote I just thought was helpful. Just stirred my heart and encouraged it. He says this, It is courage in the midst of an unseen future and faith in God's promises that generates obedience to his commands. It's courage in the midst of unseen future. So you've got to have this courage as you look out. You don't see what's out there, but you're taking courage because you're having faith. You're standing on the promises of God. And when you have courage and staying on the promises of God, that's when you can take those steps of obedience. So friends, let us be those who take steps of obedience as God calls us to in whatever area he's calling us to. Let's let him be king. Let's let him be the one on the throne because he really is. And let him rule and reign in our lives. Let's sing together. The people of Israel to Joshua, 
says, and they answered Joshua, here we go, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. May we do that unto the Lord in Jesus' name. May be dismissed. If you want prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you up here.